Welcome back to the table, you animals. I am your host, Joe Newbauer at Joe Knows MMA. This is your co-host, Sean Newbauer at the underscore MMA Insomniac. And this is Better Fight Cast. All right, Sean Newbauer, here we are back again, back at it around this table again this week. How are we feeling this week about the world of mixed martial arts? I said it last week and I'll say it again. Still depressing. Still depressing. You're still not over over that hump, huh? I just can't. I can't. I feel like I can't follow the sport. I got to cut. And it's weird because it's like a weird addiction. You probably do it too. Like you constantly check your Twitter feed. You check mm-hmm. for news, breaking announcements or fight announcements, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And anymore, it's just like I can't do it because it's just so negative. It's hard. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to think of myself as pretty mild-mannered and a positive person, so I just try to break through it and take the great that's in the sport right now. Well, welcome to prime time, son. Yeah. Welcome to prime time. This is every other sport. You follow their sports, it's nothing but negativity and bad things across the board. Nothing's ever focused on what's actually really happening with the X's and O's. And speaking of this sport, like, you got, you know, there's been court hearings, there's been health updates, you know, there's a lot of optimism going on. And not to mention this last Saturday night, I said it last week, most criminally underrated card of the year. And let's get right to that. Let's get back to the fights. I feel like this is deja vu. This is exactly what we did last week. But I agree with you. There is negativity. I listen to a lot of MMA podcasts also. And there's a lot of negativity on those. I see where you're coming from. But let's talk about what the UFC did in Calgary. This was the makeup show. This was Dana White's birthday card as he celebrated his birthday in Calgary this weekend. And this was him giving back to the fans for the terrible card they put on. What was it, 2012? I forget. When your Uriah Faber was the main Why event. would you remember it? It was such a terrible card. So this was the payback, and did they pay the Canadian fans back? Would the Calgary leave this show happy or what? Yeah, because it wasn't a high-stakes pay-per-view. But so, what they, so essentially what you get is they had a sold-out show, did they make as much money at the gate last night? No, because it's not a pay-per-view show. It's a TV show. So not only that, the, the fans got a cheaper bargain because I'm sure the ticket prices weren't quite as high. You get awesome fights like they put on. I mean, they put on style matchups that you knew. Those, that was going to deliver. You knew the main event and co-main event was just going to be something was going to happen. That triple header was worth paying for. Yeah. Yeah, and it delivered too. I thought the fights were awesome, top to bottom. I didn't catch much of the fight pass fights, but because I was busy in life. But I did see all the FS1 prelims and the whole main card. So, let's shoot. Well, let's get to the main event. There was a title on the line on Saturday night. It was Eddie Alvarez violence weight title against Dustin Poirier, and Poirier came out and knocked out Eddie Alvarez. And what was it? The first round. It didn't get through one, right? It was in the first round. It was either first or second. Anyway, he put on an excellent display of combinations and, and, and put Eddie Alvarez away. But, of course, there's controversy. I just want to ask you, was there foul play? Did Mark Goddard make the right call of changing the position of that fight with that 12-6 to elbow that Eddie Alvarez hit on Dustin Poirier? With the call, I'm not so sure yet, but was there foul play? Yes. It's a rule. It's a rule that we've known since Johnny Bones Jones beat, or technically has a loss on his record to Matt Hamill, what, like eight years ago? It's a rule. We've always known it's a rule. It's a stupid rule. Doesn't make us, doesn't mean we have to agree with it, but it's a rule. You cannot throw a 12 to 6 elbow. 
So whether he made the right call or not, I don't know. I mean, I get it because Adi Alvarez had him in mount, and that's such a tough position, especially to get on a guy like Dustin Poirier. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. They still stood up, and Dustin Poirier lit him up on the feet. So it's not like, you know, Eddie Alvarez is known as this ground expert or anything. You know, he's defending his violence weight or mm -hmm. his violent weight title for a reason because he's violent while he's standing. Um, yeah, I guess you, I can see where a little bit of controversy is because I think because of mainly because of the stakes for Eddie Alvarez, how big this fight was for him. It was the last fight on his deal. But it, it it's just weird how these two tangle up. They, they have great fights, but the last one was marred by a little controversy. This one's now marred by a little controversy. It's like deja vu. It's yeah. like deja vu. Eddie Alvarez hit him with the illegal knees in the last one, which subsequently ended the fight. And then this time, I was not mad at Mark Goddard's decision at all because it was a 12-6 elbow. Where that 12-6 elbow was supposed to hit and what, juris, what jurisdiction he has, it's, it's, it's fuzzy. But at the end of the day, everybody's not looking at the fact that Eddie Alvarez was holding the cage as he was throwing that 12-6 elbow. Mm -hmm. There was plenty of fouls committed. <clears throat> I also believe Dustin Poirier was getting out of that attack anyway. He was calm and composed. He was working his way back up to the feet. My thing was, like, also because Eddie Alvarez wasn't really throwing any shots before mm -hmm. that. That was the first one he threw. Yeah. This was this was stood up. <coughs> they were squared off even. That, that did not take away from what Dustin Poirier did afterwards. I, I do not think it mattered. I really think Dustin Poirier was going to get back in the position to his feet and do what he did. Dustin Poirier looks like a world champion level fighter after what I saw on Saturday night. I don't think there was any foul play here. I think Goddard made the right call. It's not the most popular call, but I do think it was the right call. It is what it is. There's rules for a reason. This is not street fighting. Here's my take on the referee thing. So the same people that are sitting there saying, oh, you know, how, do you, how does he just all of a sudden have the right to stand him up, this, that, is the same people that will criticize a referee when he doesn't step in quick enough, mm -hmm. when he this and that. It's like... At the end of the day, like everybody complains, like, what well, you know, what do we want out of a ref? We want a ref that, that we know is going to take charge and make sure these guys are engaging in the the safest and cleanest way that they can. And Mark Goddard, to me, is one of the best refs. He does that when he's in that octagon. I know he's in control of that octagon. There's no getting around on him. He's the guy that seems to always be yelling at the corners. I always see him yelling at the corner, like, "Stop coaching!" Like I always see him doing. Like to me, I think he's a good ref, and you know. It's a, to me at the end of the day, it's like, what do you want? I think he's one of the better referees, if you want my honest opinion, because he does make the calls and he'll stick by them. You're not always going to be the most popular person in the world as a referee. No. You're just not. You're not always, or a judge. They are tough jobs, and they're tough jobs for a reason. Do I think that this was a fight ending sequence that Ali Alvarez was on top of Poirier? No, I don't. I don't think that was in. I mean, it could have been. You never know. But this wasn't a fight-ending sequence. There was nothing stating that Dustin Poirier was in a huge amount of danger. I mean, he, he, he grabbed the cage. He brought down the 12-6 to 6 elbow. It's in the rule books. Everybody knows it plain and clear. As wacky as the commissions are, this is one thing everybody knows. That this is Nothing has changed here. I think he, there's no foul play here, and Dustin Poirier shouldn't have any type of black cloud hanging over him off of this victory. It should be nothing but celebration and high times for him. And moving on with that, I mean, look what Dustin Poirier has done lately. I mean, knocking out Eddie Alvarez, knocking out Anthony Pettis. You know, he's, he's out there finishing world champions. What do you do with Dustin Poirier next? Well, he says he wants to wait for a title shot. 
I don't think that's going to happen. He might say that, but like, we don't know what's going to, but we know one thing for sure. If they can get Connor Khabib, Connor Khabib's going to happen. And then you have people, unless Khabib wins, you have somebody like Connor. I don't know if Connor fights a Dustin Poirier again. Not at this juncture. That's not a big money fight. I mean, Connor against anybody will sell, but Connor's got bigger fights. The biggest being Khabib. He's got a fight with Diaz he could have. He's got a fight with, he could move up to welterweight if he wanted to. And then we give him that type. Like, I just don't see Dustin Poirier's got to get realistic here. So what I think he should fight next, I like the idea of it's either one A or B. Whoever's ready first, go fight Tony Ferguson if that's an option. I would do that if I was it. Or Kevin Lee. You fight one of those two guys. They're the other two top contenders of the division. I get it. I mean, in most cases, he's warranted a title shot. I don't dispute that one bit so ever. Well, you also got Tony Ferguson, who's also on a big win streak, so they'd have to cancel each other out to make a real claim as to who fights for that lightweight title. I kind of feel for Dustin Poirier. He's in a position where this lightweight division, I argue that the top is the best division ever. From Conor McGregor, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Tony Ferguson, Dustin Poirier, Kevin Lee. You have these savages. Even though in defeat, you still have Eddie Alvarez. You have Anthony Pettis making a comeback. This is just a savage division. And it might be the best division right now of all time as far as the top is concerned. Mm-hmm. And I mean that. Yeah. It is It is filled with riches of talent that I have never seen before. Not to mention all the up-and-comers. But for Dustin Poirier right now, I get where he's coming from, where he feels entitled for a title shot, because let's face it, in any other division in the UFC, he would be getting that title shot. But it, it, it's just not what we're looking at. You can't forego Dustin Poirier in place of Conor versus Khabib. No. And honestly, I hate to say this, but he can't just jump over Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson is still rightfully the number one contender. Um, he's going to have to bite down on his mouthpiece and fight. And he's probably going to have to fight Tony Ferguson because both of them can make claim to that title shot. And I still have Tony Ferguson notched up just a little bit higher. It was a freak injury. You can't just take away all of his accolades because of a freak injury. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, he's that shark tank at lightweight is just absolutely killer. It's unreal. It's the best I've ever seen. It's a very exciting time as a fan. And right now, as a fighter at the top of that, Dustin Poirier has to stay ready. He has to stay ready at all times. If he came out uninjured, he has to keep training. First of all, we know how injuries are in this sport. He's probably plan B. If Tony That's can what make I was going to say. If Tony can make it in place of Conor Khabib in case of injury, Tony will probably get the phone call first. Yeah. But Dustin Poirier is, is on speed dial also. Yep. So he has to stay ready. And if he doesn't stay ready, he might have to take a fight before that title shot. And the only fight I would take if I was Dustin Poirier, in my opinion, is Tony Ferguson. If it's not Tony Ferguson and it's not the title shot, then it's bust. I, I see where he's coming from, but at the end of the day, he can't just skip the queue. He's not that guy. I, I, I love him. He's one of my favorite fighters of all time. I've loved what he's done, but he's not going to be able to skip the queue. He doesn't have that much pool in his name to demand that type of opportunity. And it's unfortunate because he should be. But let's move over to Eddie Alvarez. So the former king of violence in a losing effort to this fight is now 
a free agent. If you were the UFC, do you do everything you can to sign Eddie Alvarez back down? Or do you just let him go? What do you do? They Well, because he lost, the power is now in the UFC's hands. I think they'll give him a fair deal. I'm hoping what happens with him is what hope, what happened with uh, Cub Swanson recently. Mm-hmm. Cub Swanson fought out his contract. He got the deal he wanted anyway. I'm kind of hoping something similar to that. But if like somebody like... I think Eddie Alvarez, as great as he is, he's only worth so much. He's a former champ. He just he just lost. I, I like Eddie Alvarez. I want him to stay in the UFC. But if Bellator comes out with like some kind of crazy number that they'll pay him, the UFC can be like, all right. Because UFC's got plenty of lightweights. And their lightweights are young. They're not going anywhere. Between Connor, Khabib, Tony Ferguson's the oldest of them. Oh, all of them. The lightweight could have a top 30. So... To me, it's like Eddie Alvarez. I think he's going to get offered a fair deal from the UFC because I think they, me personally, I would think they take care of him like they did Cub Swanson. Eddie Alvarez is a great name on any fight card. He brings it. Yeah. God, he brings it. As a fan, I always tune into an Eddie Alvarez fight. Yeah. I'm but not missing it. Let's see. Bellator just signed that big Dazzin deal, so they might have a lot of money just to throw at guys. It's the zone, by the way, Sean. Don't, Whatever. Don't call it Dazzin. I, D A Z N. I just, I just can't do it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's up to him. Where does he really want to be? I know he, he doesn't have the best relationship with Bellator, but there's But that was with, that right was with uh, Bjorn Rebney. Yeah. I think he's the hottest free agent. He's one of the two hottest free agents right now. I was going to say Sage Northcutt. Well, Sage Northcutt's number... Th- well, yeah, I guess you do have a great argument there. He's one of the three hottest free agents right now. Remember, Michael Chandler is still a free agent. Oh, yeah. He's not signed yet. There's still a trilogy out there for Eddie Alvarez and Michael Chandler. That fight is still... Right now would be the time to do it, whether it's Bellator or UFC. Whether it's Bellator, UFC, or 1FC wants to come in and sweep both of those guys off. Why not? Why not? If you were any promotion, why wouldn't you lay everything down for Michael Chandler and Eddie Alvarez? Yeah, I just don't see 1FC getting them. I, I agree, but I'm just saying in general. I'm just saying hypothetically, okay? Eddie Alvarez has a lot of opportunity. Eddie Alvarez isn't afraid to explore the free agency, and he's not afraid to fight for other promotions. I mean, this guy literally was the king of underground and fought everywhere before yeah. he finally made it to the UFC. Mm-hmm. I think in the UFC's case, though, you get him signed back. This guy's must-see TV. He's too exciting. He brings too much value to a promotion outside even the UFC But like I said, I think the UFC is going to offer him. I think they're going to make him a good deal. Mm-hmm. It all depends on what Bellator wants to pay him. Yeah. UFC is not, not going to overpay for a guy that's 34, 35 years old that's, you know... See, I actually disagree with you a little bit where you think that uh, UFC is in the driver's seat here. They are, but they aren't. I think Eddie Alvarez can demand a lot of value even outside the UFC still. And I think he's going to get what he deserves but and I, what he but wants. The point I'm trying to make is he's only going to get so much from the UFC. UFC's only going to be willing to pay him so much. Yeah. You know, he might get more than he's worth. Gilbert Melendez did it years ago to the UFC. Yeah. He got way more than what he's worth. If, if Eddie Alvarez can get that deal with Bellator, fine, go. But UFC's only going to pay him so much. He's a, he's a 34-year-old fighter mm-hmm. who, who puts on great fights, but he's not going to sell you a ton of pay-per-views anytime soon. Heck. Okay. That's yeah. fair. That is fair. That is fair. But where do you want to see Alvarez show up? Like, if you had to pick as a fan, what is the matchup next for Alvarez you want to see, and where do you want to see him end up next in his career? Oh, I'd like to see him stay in the UFC. The lightweight division is too good. I mean, you can match him up with Kevin Lee. There's too many lightweights. Him and Pettis is a dream Well, match. they already fought. 
Oh, I yeah. forgot about that. It was you would have thought it was a dream match, but it yeah, ended up being. I, I, it that just slipped my mind. Also, yeah, really, I'd like to see the trilogy with him and Chandler somehow get done some somehow some way. Yeah. As a fan, I do want to see. I do want to see the trilogy to that because it's Bellator's greatest fight of all time. Yeah. Still, it still is the greatest sure. fight of all time. So whether he ends up in Bellator to fight Michael Chandler, or if UFC signs Alvarez and Chandler, I'm down for either. But at the end of the day, I, right now for some reason, that Chandler rematch. That the trilogy is kind of jumping out. But there's also a lot of great opportunities still in the UFC. I mean, he can go over to Bellator. If, if, say say UFC, UFC signed Chandler and Alvarez went back to Bellator where he was the champion. You know, he relinquished that belt. He could fight Brent Primus, but... Doesn't roll off the tongue as well. <laughs> it doesn't. Does it? It, it doesn't feel right. So, yeah. yeah, there's still a lot of great opportunity. I just want to see him fight the best in the world. He's there. He's still a top five guy. I love Eddie Alvarez. I hope he gets everything and more that he wants. He deserves it. Like I said, uh, Cub Swanson, he got what he wanted. I'm hoping the same thing happens for Alvarez. Now let's move on to the co-main event. Featherweight's former king, Jose Aldo, came out and fought Jeremy Stevens in one round of fury and action-packed entertainment and hit Jeremy Stevens with a body shot and knocked him out. Did you see that coming? Because I didn't, honestly. I heard the R word coming out of Jose Aldo's mouth. He was talking about retirement. I heard it way too many times for my liking. I did not see him coming out after those two wars against Max Holloway and put and putting away Jeremy Stevens in the first round. What is your thoughts? I texted you before the fight. I said, I got Aldo all day. I think people forget... Aldo hasn't lost much. He got, he lost to a phantom punch by Conor McGregor, and he lost twice to Max Holloway. Now, I thought when I watched that fight, I think it was like last October between Aldo and Holloway too, I thought Aldo looked great. But I think people underestimate how great Max Holloway is right oh, now. Oh, no, that's the first thing I thought. I have been stating for a while now, and you're my witness. Max Holloway, in my opinion, is the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. That's my opinion. I keep sticking I to it. I don't go into I the love whole pound-for-pound pound thing, but I do. He's for sure, by far away, the best featherweight right now. And what he did to Aldo, he beat Aldo twice at his own game. And I thought Aldo looked good in both performances. I think it was one of those things where people underrated him because they they just they're underestimating how good Max Holloway is. Mm-hmm. But Aldo's still very good. Or how good Connor is. Yeah. But he's still very good. He's only 31. Mm-hmm. Now, the only problem is, of course, Max Holloway's got to figure out his health. It's where does he go from here? Awesome fight. That was that was my fight of the night, for sure. Those guys were throwing bombs at each other. Mm-hmm. They were trading leg kicks. <coughs> that body shot, that's one of the beauty. most memorable. It beauty. It's, one, it's like weird because it was a body, but it's one of the most memorable knockouts. And Jeremy I've Stevens seen is not a guy you just finish. No. He tried to hide the pain from that he body shot. He is every bit as... When you think of one of the toughest fighters in the UFC, he is everything you think of. I mean, he is... He, he just bites down and goes. Yeah. It is hard to finish that guy. You don't just put away Jeremy Stevens. Yeah. And, uh... But the only, pro, the only thing that's weird about it is I don't know where he goes from here. If Holloway, if Holloway's holding that title, nobody wants to see Holloway out of three. Mm-hmm. You know? His best bet would be for Brian Ortega if they ever fight. If Holloway and Ortega his best happens, bet is for Holloway to relinquish the title and go to one fifty five or lose the title, either one. Mm-hmm. But he's only got two fights left. And here's what the UFC is not going to do: 
He says he wants to retire with the belt. They're not going to put him in a title fight and he just retire. They're not going to do that. He is one of the all-time greats, though. I, I don't think he gets enough love in that category. I think he got it back a little bit this weekend, though. Right, I mean, we're all we're all so high off of that victory still. Yeah, I think I think it makes the world of a difference. Is when he held the title, he only had one finish out of how I forget how many total defenses. He had a lot of decisions. It's crazy what a finish does for you. When you mm-hmm. finish somebody, it means a lot more. And that's what happened this weekend. People were like, "Oh," and not to mention, I think he's better in three round fights for a finisher than he would be in a five round fight. I think he fights different. I think it depends on who he fights. Stevens played in his style perfectly too. Stevens is an aggressive striker, and I think people underestimate how great of a striker Jose Aldo is. Because, I mean, let's look back at his title defenses. He had trouble against Mark Hominick when he was in the UFC in that, that Canadian event a long time ago. It was in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But he also had a very hard weight cut because of the cold. I mean, this man's from Brazil. <laughs> He's used to the heat. He's not used to all that ice. Um, remember, he did finish Mendez in their first fight. That was the only one. He did finish Korean Zombie. And hence, it was an injury, but oh, he still yeah, finished but... him. I don't think of um, that because And in the injured. second fight against Mendez, I mean, they went at it. That was, yeah, it was a war. war. That was a great fight. I remember I loved that fight. Mm-hmm. Obsessed with it for a while. And then he fought, like, the likes of Connor, And Connor finished him. And then look at his wars with Max Holloway. I, I think you have to bring the dog out of Jose Aldo. I think sometimes you have to bring that dog out of him, and that's what Jeremy Stevens did. And when you have somebody that's aggressive and they bring that dog out, you see a different side of Jose Aldo as opposed to somebody who's more of a counter-striker or more tactical fighter, like Edgar. And him and Edgar's first fight was great. Their second fight was good at UFC 200. Jose Aldo has a great career and a great resume. What's weird about him in this division right now is like I can't think of too many opponents for him. I can't either. I, I'm I'm kind of like nobody wants to Jose see him Aldo. in Edgar three, and nobody wants to see him in Holloway three. He is swearing three. by retirement, and the crazy thing about Jose Aldo is he's only 31 years old. When I found out he was younger than Jeremy Stevens, I couldn't believe it. I was beside myself. And Jeremy Stevens has been around a long time too. But but Jeremy Stevens was actually a year older than Jose Aldo. I really thought Jose Aldo was a guy that was like 34, 35 years old at least. At least. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. he was only 31. A lot of guys are just hitting their prime at 31 years old. I think if he wants to keep stuff in the gas tank, he can keep going. But as far as fight years, he's had a lot of wars under his belt. Um, I hope that guy, I'm sure he has, has made enough money for him and his children to live on. He was the champion for the Connor fight. So, I, I, I'm with you, man. Like, I really have no idea what to do with him next. Because I would say move up to 155, but why? He's making 145 no problem. Stay at featherweight and see what happens. If anything, Max Holloway is going to leave that division before he does. So I say keep chucking. Just take on the next contender and keep this thing rolling. But let's go into the female strawweight fight. Joanna Jerjacek calling herself still the straw weight queen went out there and put on a good performance against tisha torres i really didn't think joanna you know joanna jerjacek woke up until the third round she is a five round fighter it i was, was about weird to say my take on that, a lot of people are saying like they think they, she lost a step i was like no have you not been watching this girl throughout her career when's most of her finishes come Comes later. I, I'll still always never forget the Claudia Gadea fight where Claudia Gadea won the first two rounds yep. and Joanna woke up and put on a clinic yep. in the third, fourth, and fifth. Yep. It was it was one I thought it was the best performance that whole UFC two hundred weekend. Over Brock Lesnar, over Mark Hunt, 
over Jose Aldo, over Frankie Edgar, over Amanda Nunez, over Misha Tate, and over Eddie Alvarez winning the lightweight title over Rafael Dos Anjos. I thought Joanna Jerchacek's performance over Claudia Gadea was the best I saw that whole weekend. And this was, she was, I felt like the third round, she was just starting to wake up and warm up and get in her rhythm. And I don't want to get into the argument about it, but it's it's one of those cases where sometimes I wish there was more five-round fights. I mean, I know you can't do it for all of them. We're already complaining about the longevity of events. But she's one of those fighters where she's just better in a five-round fight, right? She is, but I don't, I wish there wasn't more five-round I wish there was more three-round fights, but... I think in her case was, I remember her run towards the title. All of her three-round fights looked like that. She kept winning. That's just the type of fighter she is. Mm-hmm. She's by volume, you know, and it, she wears on her opponents. I didn't think Tactically she breaks them down, yeah. The only problem is, she's lost to Rose twice. Nobody's screaming for the trilogy. Yeah. So so what do we do next with Joanna? Right there, that, that, that sets up for the... Per- Where do we go with Joanna Champion moving forward? I don't have a problem with her staying at 115. I know she's she had a weird interview like she's she's calling weird stuff right now like interim title and she should get the next shot and this and I'm like no you gotta wait your turn again it's gonna take another fight maybe two because if 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 Rose is holding that title she's not getting it now if Rose whoever she ends up fighting next and say she was to lose that bout Joanna could go for that title again I think she either just stays where she's at keeps fighting contenders in that division or she just goes to 125. I think if Valentina Shevchenko beats Nico Montano, and mm-hmm. I can make a case if, if the latter happens, Nico Montano beats Valentina, I just don't see it happening. No disrespect, I just don't see it happening. But if Valentina Shevchenko beats Nico Montano at UFC 228, I think Joanna Champion should get the phone call to fight for the you, you know woman's flyweight title. I say move up those 10 pounds. You said you've had weight cutting problems in the past. Gain the 10 pounds, add the muscle, go up there. There is a history between Shevchenko and Jared Jacek. There's a history there. Uh, Shevchenko has beaten Jared Jacek in Muay Thai fights, from what I gather. Oh. There is a history there, and I'd like to see that resolved. That is a fantastic fight. It's it's definitely, I don't know if it's a $65 main event of a pay-per-view. It's close. But it's definitely a great co-main event to stack a card. I love everything about that fight. I say pull the gun. You can jump the queue with your name value as Joanna Jerjacek against any other 125er in the world right now. There's, that is a brand new division. Not only that, but there is nobody knocking on the door for that 125 no, pound title. No, and yet. she could. She can get it instantly and become a two division champ. Yep. I say that is that is the move to make. Period period if you want to come back down to 115 later in your career that's fine but right now there is a window of opportunity at 125 and that's the i think where you need to go i think the ufc is the one that's got to smarten up and talk her into that all this interim championship thing we're going to get into interim championships a little bit later but that's not on ufc this time that's her saying it yes i know but we're going to get into why an interim championship's not going to happen later and that's not plausible and you're not getting the thug rose rematch anytime soon yes the second fight was close there's an argument you could have won, but at the same time, you've done, you're have you down two to nothing. You're going to have to put in some work at 115 to make the fans demand you to get a title shot again. Yep. So, 125 is your calling. The writing's on the wall. I say go there. 
All right, well, now we're going to wrap up this card. That's what happened in the triple header. I mean, I was impressed with another lightweight on that card. I did think Alexander Hernandez coming out and beating OAB. I was very impressed by that. It wasn't the, the greatest or funnest fight to watch ever, but it was a very, very solid performance Still, by that young man. Still, it's a 26-year-old kid that came out of nowhere. Who's now beat Benel Dariush in OAB. You don't just beat those two guys in the no. lightweight division. This is a guy I'm going to put a pin on. And I'm just saying, look out for him in future cards. Yeah. I think this kid has is, is the real deal, and he's got the goods to be a future title contender. He yeah. really does. He's just skyrocketing. Literally came out of nowhere. Undercard, though, there was another guy I was very impressed with. Made easy work of Cajun Johnson. That's Islam Makachev. You can't help but be impressed with him, right? I mean, he's like Khabib's brother. I mean, I mean you there. got the UFC going to Russia. Called out Brock Lesnar. Yeah, that was just goofy That's funny. and fun. That's funny. Yeah, it's goofy and fun. Um, but, you know, UFC's Russian expansion right now is crazy, and they got some a lot of good Russian it's fighters. off the charts, and they're getting stronger. And that's and another one. Islam, has he lost in the UFC yet? I don't know. He's, he's, he's now 16 or 15 and 1. I yeah, he's got a great record. I, that, that stuck out to me right away. I was like, wow, this guy's got the goods. Oh, there we go. Alexander Hernandez against Islam Makachev. Sure, but think? lightweight's so deep. Who knows yeah. how it's going to turn out? It's, it's too ridiculous. It's yeah. too ridiculous. doesn't matter. It'd be a great fight, but there, you can match those guys up with anybody. It's a great fight. Well, let's jump into the ratings. Now, right now, as we sit here and talk, it is Tuesday at 4.04 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, right now all we have is the overnight ratings. I see you playing with your phone. You're going to Google it and look it up and see if they came out yet. But right now we have the overnight ratings for this Fox card. It is so far with the overnights the lowest rating for a Fox card ever. Ever. Are you surprised by this, Sean Newbauer? And what do you think is going on? I, I don't know. It's alarming, but also at the same time, like, I look around the TV landscape anymore and everything's down. Nothing draws crazy ratings anymore. But the UFC, like, it just keeps getting lower. Especially this year. This year, ratings have been brutal for the UFC on all Fox platforms. So, it's either them and the Fox thing isn't working out, but I don't totally agree with that because, you know, if people follow the UFC, they're going to follow UFC. It's, that doesn't matter really what platform. Their numbers have been consistent for the most part, though. They did. There, there is one positive I already seen. This is only overnight. We'll find out, you know, because it did go over mm -hmm. the time limit. So, or the yeah, the ten o'clock. See what the peak is. In the yeah, main event. see what was really going on because most people, but people don't even always tune in for the main event anymore. Is the trend? I mean, Jose Aldo was in the co-main event for free and not only TV. that, but Joanna, former champion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this was one of the. What's alarming to me is the only thing that alarms me. This was the strongest Fox card in years. Mm -hmm. You had three former champions in the triple header. Mm -hmm. These guys used to be on pay-per-view, all on the triple header. So to me, that was alarming. But I don't know. TV's just so weird anymore, man. The only th the only positive they can take already is they won the eighteen to forty-nine demographic. At the end of the day, that's the biggest deal. Because it's weird. Because people say everybody's acting like the sky's falling because the ratings were so low. They're mm -hmm. like, yeah, nobody's. Too but I'm like. They're low for Bellator as well. Mm -hmm. Heck, WWE just struck a billion-dollar deal with Fox. Their ratings have been lower than they've ever been before as well. And we're talking about 90s WWE when they really sucked. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's a trend. But yet, companies like WWE and UFC are getting bigger TV deals. So I don't, I don't know. 
to be honest with you, I have to wait to see them go to ESPN. I, I just don't know what the future of TV is. It's so weird. Because from a personal standpoint, because I'm a UFC nut hugger, I'm going to follow them anywhere, whatever they're on. Mm-hmm. But it's like they can't get the ESPN Plus fast enough for the subscription package at least, yeah. right? Because you get 20 events on there, and there's no more commercials. Yeah. You're on a subscription pack. We can't wait for that. But not only that, but I don't watch regular TV. This is a fact. How many people watch regular TV I anymore? I do not. It's so on my unless DVR. you're really loyal to the UFC brand, you're going to go to it. But nobody's just going to be channel surfing anymore and just, just stumble upon it. Because I can tell you right now, I have cable. And it's on my my cable box. Is I literally watch it maybe two or three times the whole week. I don't watch live cable ever. I don't either. I, and that's and one or two of those times I'm going to DVR. Yeah. So I don't think people are watching TV like that. So I want to hold back the talk like the sky's falling on all that because distribution and content is so different nowadays. It's so different. I personally don't think the sky is falling. I, I look at this like I was not surprised in the least bit. I mean, we're at the end of this Fox deal also. The, 2019, everything changes. I don't think there's been a lot of Fox promotion. I mean, and the other thing about these Fox events, as great as a main event Alvarez versus Poirier was, at the end of the day, this is still an FS1 level main event. It just is. It's not. It's not like it's a pay-per-view main event. It's not like it's something that was going to draw the masses or millions of people. It was a fun card put together for free TV. And I've just never really cared much for the UFC and network TV to begin with. Um, especially lately with FS1. I mean, we can we can talk about the timing, at least on Fox. Like, it's a faster show. But on FS1, that thing can't go away fast enough. It just can't. It, 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 you really are excited for the prospect that all the FS1 shows are going to a subscription package. You, you can't, it can't get there fast enough. But the things people are tuning out as far as this UFC on Fox overnight ratings, historically in the month of July for Fox, this has always been their lowest rating. Always. For every yeah, card they've ever done. it can't be good that it's their lowest of all time. I, I agree with that, but I mean, don't you think cable's going down and down yeah, and down across the board? I don't think this is just a UFC issue. This has been everything. Everything I see, the ratings have went down. Everything. Maybe not the NBA. And that's because of some stuff like politics in the NFL or whatever's going on over there where they lost a lot of ratings and I think people are going over. But everything. I mean, I heard the Olympics were down. World Cup was down. The World Cup was down. Wrestling is down. All-Star game was down. Everything is down. This is not just a UFC issue. The fact that the thing I look at was you already hit it on the head. The 18 to 49 demographic was still in the UFC's favor. And it's not like the things on the other channels blew them out the water. It's, nobody even got over like a 2.0. Or no, I'm sorry, a 3.0, you know, 3 million viewers in the overnight ratings. They didn't blow the UFC out the water. They won by small margins. UFC happened to be the lowest margin, but they were number one in the 18 to 49 demographic. And I've always been told in the history of TV that that is the smartest one to hit. That is the biggest one to hit. That's the one you need in order to be successful. So it is what it is. And and for everybody that thinks the sky is falling, this is ending soon. This is not even going to be a a topic of discussion anymore. This TV deal is ending with the UFC. They have one foot out the door. 
they're literally going split on the TV package. They're only they're cutting their live TV events down to ten, and then they're all in pay per view. So this is over soon. This isn't even really a topic we should delve too much into because there's what one more Fox event. Yeah. So let me play devil devil's advocate for a minute here. I agree with you that they need to get to a subscription pack like ESPN Plus. I mm -hmm. believe like all these apps are the future. Mm -hmm. But it's still a lot. Look, when you say stuff like it's it's network like UFC is the master network TV, that shouldn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's on network TV. What does matter is the difference between network TV and back when they were on Spike. More people have network TV in their homes. Mm -hmm. They're the big five for a reason. You you could have bunny ears to watch this stuff. So to me, that is still alarming that the ratings are going down because they are on, you know, one of the major networks. Now, other than that, they still kill it in the demographic. I don't think it's the end all be all. I do agree with your your consensus that, you know, TV's going down. I see it, but we're, we're young. Well, let's also throw one it. more thing out. These aren't the final ratings. Yeah, we we keep being played and conned into this by the media. And everybody else that writes these articles right away, jumping the gun, these aren't the final ratings. Let's put that out there. Yeah. But overnight ratings are a pretty good indication. It's still the lowest overnight of all time, so mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It's still the lowest overnight. And to be honest with you, the, the thing that, that really gets me is <coughs> is that this card was actually stacked. I do know July is their worst month, but they had three former world champions on this card. I don't care what kind of promotion goes into it. The UFC promotes this card themselves. People still weren't tuning in. When in January, they had Derek Brunson versus Jacques Array, which was an all right fight, but it, that still beat it in the ratings. So to me, that is a bit alarming. Mm -hmm. It's weird. It could be time of the year and it could be TV, but that's still alarming. A lot of people just aren't home on a Saturday in July. Well, that They're was another not. thing I wanted to get into. Is Saturday nights really the greatest night for UFC anymore? It works for pay-per-view. I, I still believe for TV... Friday nights. Well, you know what? You're, you're hitting it on the head. We've never seen the big marquee fight on free TV other than Cain Velasquez. No, versus that's Junior not what Dos I was Santos. getting at. No, I was getting at the, the night. Of course, Cain Velasquez versus Junior Dos Santos at that time was going to smash anything. But what I'm getting at is I noticed is Saturday night the best night to have a TV event for UFC? I've been saying this for years. If they were to have a TV event, I'd have it on a Sunday night. More people are home. Saturday night, you know, not as much people are home. Mm -hmm. They're not going it, to... It's it's unbelievable they're still getting to that demographic. I just believe, like, not as much people are home. They're not watching TV. They're they might be out. watching them at the bars, too. Maybe. Bars count for TV ratings. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, regardless, we don't have to worry about this too much longer, right? It's over. It's going to be over. Yeah. It, it's done. It's... We're, we're on our way out the door. Let's just take a step back and just forget about all that let's talk about the big news this week okay Conor McGregor he's a free man I mean a lot of people are acting surprised I'm not but he's officially free to fight should have the UFC punished Conor McGregor or are you fine with everything that went down I'm okay with everything that went down they let the legal process play out. Could have, could UFC do something? They're not going to prevent him from fighting. Let's get real here. They're not going to prevent him from fighting. They, um, there's been a lot worse done in combat sports and sports history. Um, 
they but at the same time they got to be careful because they can't just let stuff like this happen all the time. You can't have the next guy that's at a press mm-hmm. conference that's up and coming decide he wants to take a chair and throw it at somebody's face. You got You got to watch that line. But at the end of the day, where Connor is going to get hurt, they could punish him all he wants. He hurt the money. He had to pay a lot of money for lawyers, all that stuff. Who knows what the lawsuits are going to come of? So to me, it's like when he gets hurt there, it only benefits us because that means he's he's going to come back to fighting. He's ready to come back fighting. Mm-hmm. So, I, it's like, what do you want, people? You guys, are, it's like the same people that are complaining, like, oh, there's not enough stars, you know, there's no fights mm-hmm. we want to see. So you want to keep the star away? Yeah. I mean, what? What I I still believe this one in particular. I think this. I hope this humbled him. I still think this is a PR stunt gone wrong. I don't think he intentionally meant to throw the dolly through the window and all this to happen. I, I don't. When I really thought about it, I don't think that's what he intended to do. I still think he's going to pay a lot for it. I mean, Michael Chiesa and Ray Borg were the two that I guess suffered repercussions from it as Michael Chiesa got a little mm-hmm. cut on his forehead and Ray Borg got the shards of glass in his eye. Now, moving forward with this, Ray Borg with the shards of glass in his eye, haven't heard any problems with his eyes. Michael Chiesa got a little cut on his forehead. This guy's a fighter. He gets punched in the face for a living. But, but, but what it did was it, it's still it's easy for them. I mean, there's still a lot that goes into it. There's, a, there's things they could sue him for, like the fact that they couldn't fight that night. They, I think they're going to be fine when they settle out of court. Yeah. Those guys are going to get paid more than what they've ever made in a fight in the UFC. Yeah. They're going to get paid a lot of money. This thing's going to settle, and they're going to definitely be vindicated for what happened. They're mm-hmm. definitely going to get what's right, yeah. and that's in his pocketbook. But, I mean, trying to keep Conor McGregor away for further punishment, who are you trying to hurt? Because at the end of the day, the only people that are going to suffer for that is the fans. The fans are demanding to see Conor back. We want to see Conor and Khabib more than anything. Yeah. Do you really want to take this fight away from us and make us wait even longer? But I can see in the fact, I mean, that was pretty crazy what he did. You can't, you can't forget that. I mean, what if that dolly would have went through that bus window? Yeah. It was I mean, we can play insane. the what-if game. We can play the what-if game. <clears throat> but those were the end results, okay? And we have to move forward. We have to. We have to get Connor back in the sport. Everybody complaining we need a star. Well, he's here. He's back. He's ready to fight. We have one of the greatest fights, in the, probably the greatest fight in mixed martial arts history with him and Khabib. Yeah. You have Ireland versus Russia. You have Khabib is undefeated. Has not tasted defeat in that octagon yet against the king, the champ, the original champ champ, Conor McGregor. The storylines don't get bigger than this. And it's just added fuel to this fire not to, to make mention, it the biggest. Khabib, Khabib's funny. I mean, if we really want to talk about discipline, let's take a look in combat sports history and I know, talk I about discipline. Say. I mean, Tyson. are you serious? You brought up the point earlier about Tyson. This guy was accused of raping a woman. And bit a man's ear off in the ring. And we allowed him to come back. But Conor McGregor threw a dolly at a bus and we're like, oh, forbid him. He's gone forever. What are we doing? Bring him back. And bring him back fast. We're ready for this fight. We, the fans, deserve this fight. What he did was wrong, yes. And he paid a lot of money for it. I think suspending him and and putting him in timeout and putting him in special places, what's that really going to do? You heard him in the pocketbook. Let's move on. Let's get this man back in the That's octagon. That's what I was going to say. If UFC was to ever do anything, any form of punishment, you fine him. 
You find him, and it's he's getting only, fined it's the, enough. It's the only way you're gonna hurt him. Let's get this man to fight. I, mean, I want Connor and Khabib. Do you want Connor and Khabib? Yeah, let's not forget that like steroid users, all of them that have been caught, like they deserve harsher punishments. Yes, yes. That's now if he does it again, you gotta get rid of him. You're gonna have to punish him very, very hard. That's why I'm hoping it humbles him because if he gets away with this, you can't freeze let his contract, else. suspend him, lock him up, throw away the key. But to say this man like needs to be punished any further, we're the one that's gonna be punished if he's punished any further. We miss Connor. Let's get Connor back to the octagon ASAP in the biggest fight of all time against Khabib Nurmagomedov. Agree? Yeah. Let's move on. In other news, last week we debated highly about this. What is gonna main event UFC 228? Who are they gonna pull? We literally could not think of a fight. We were scratching our heads, searching our brains. We went through every division there is in the UFC and could not think of one. Well, it came out. Here we go. Tyron Woodley will be fighting Darren Till in the main event in September at UFC 228. And Colby Covington's interim championship will be stripped the moment that bell rings. How do you feel about it? I don't have a problem with the fight. Okay. A lot of people are making it sound like, oh, it's a desperation thing. Yeah, maybe, but, I mean, Darren Till did just beat the number one contender. But there's a weird presence. He did miss weight. But there's also strange circumstances surrounding that because he had, like, a family emergency. And they say that's the real reason he missed weight. We'll see, but, like, my thing is, I remember when I was talking to you and somebody else, I was like, look, Darren Till was going to get the title shot regardless anyway. This guy's very good. He just beat the number one contender, Stephen Thompson. I have a feeling if he gets the title, he can hold it for a while as well. I don't have a problem with the fight. I just have a... It's just what they're doing is the stripping of the Colby Covington thing. A, I still think Colby and Tyron was the fight. That was a big fight. I really was excited for that fight. B, you're only diminishing these interim titles even more. You know, why even have them at this point? You might as well just, like, say, you know, the winner gets a trophy or something because they're, they just don't mean anything. So you can just take it away at any time. And then, you know, <clears throat> I don't even know how well the business side of things this does, but I don't have a problem with the fight. I think it's going to be a great fight. Everybody keeps saying, oh, it could be boring like Stephen Thompson and Tyron Woodley. Only their second fight was boring. Their first fight was great. Yeah, yeah. Till does not have the same style as, as Wonderboy. They're both great strikers. Till's aggressive, man. Till had to be careful with Wonderboy because Wonderboy's such a counter guy. Mm-hmm. I think the styles make this is, is going to make this a great fight. I kind of Tyron Woodley's so good though. He always I always underestimate him, and he comes out and either knocks out a fool or wins. <clears throat> I kind of got Till winning this fight. I was mad when I first heard of this news. You could hear me last week on yep. the show. I broke it. We did a podcast, and then the news broke. And then later I did the podcast with Matthew J. Better on the Better Fight Cast. And this is pretty much all we talked about. Okay, and I went off about it. My thing about this fight is the UFC has an obligation to put on so many events. They have a pay-per-view already booked for this date. Okay, Tyron Woodley, we knew he was coming back by August or September. We knew this. They decided to go ahead and book the, uh, the uh, Colby Covington versus Rafael Dos Anjos interim title fight anyway. 
which wasn't even a main event to a pay-per-view. It was the co-main event to a pay-per-view. There was another fight that was happening that same month, and it was Darren Till versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And I'm looking at it like this is marketing tool versus marketing tool. You have this belt made out of thin air, the interim title, that the UFC tells you is supposed to be like a real title that they're promoting for a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And then you have the number one contender in Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who wasn't even in that interim fight, fighting the surging young phenom in Darren Till. Well, Colby Covington won the interim title against Rafael Dos Anjos, who was on a three-fight win streak, but he was lower ranked than the number one perennial contender, Stephen Thompson, in the rankings, right? Because he has that number one next to his name. Yep. And Darren Till fought Stephen Thompson and, and, and got that number one by beating Stephen Thompson. Yes. The UFC created this mess. This is all on them. Do I hate the Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till fight? Absolutely not. Actually, I love it. The fact that they can put that on as their main event for UFC 228 is a fantastic fight. Do you feel for Colby? Yes, you do. You absolutely feel for Colby. You feel like he's being slighted here. And and, and the UFC is the one making this confusing right now. They gave him the interim title. And then now they're stripping him not even three months later of the interim title. When he said he can defend it in November. Or combine the titles in November. This is all UFC's doing. I don't blame any fighter or anybody else in this situation. It's like, which marketing tool do you use? You can still use Darren Till as a legit threat to Tyron Woodley because he is the number one contender in that division. He just is. He beat Stephen Thompson. I mean, you had Stephen Thompson over everybody, right? Including Colby Covington right now. My happy thing about this is, do I feel for Colby? Yes. But then I don't, because if this is what it takes for the death of the interim title, let's do it. Let's do it. Get rid of them. Nobody is ever going to take an interim title as serious after this. They're just not. They're going to be looked at as an even bigger joke, and I'm all for this. I'm all for it because it'll kill the interim titles. Now, as far as what Colby should do now... Colby's still going around with this title like it's the real title. I, I saw, saw him that. at WWE last night wearing a MAGA hat and a silly-looking suit with that title wrapped around his shoulder, acting like he's the champ. Colby's going to make that title the legit title until he unifies it. Mark my words. He's just going to use it to his advantage. They gave him this thing. He's not going to get rid of it. What are they going to do, steal it from him? Are they going to take it away from him? He's going to carry that thing around, and he's going to make the people believe that he is still the champ. And good for him. He should. But does this discredit the Darren Till versus Tyron Woodley fight in any way? No. This is just a product of a little bit of oversaturation and desperation for a main event. Is it exactly the wrong call? No. You can argue that Darren Till can get the title shot. It's just I was invested and very excited about the prospect of Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley, and I still am. And I think the only right move to do from here to make it right is Colby Covington has to fight the winner of that fight. He has to. Do not take any other fights. You fight the winner of Darren Till versus Tyron Woodley and wait as long as you need to because you deserve that right and you've earned it. That's my take on it. I'm not as upset about it anymore. My take is, um, in a way, I feel like they want to put Darren Till in there because if, if he wins, I think the UFC... It, it, this is just a total speculation on my part. I think they're mad at both Tyron and Colby because they keep fighting back with them and saying they want to, like with Colby right now. It's like he wants to do it on his terms what they're saying. 
Tyron, you know, he's been saying like he, he wanted this fight, that fight. But <clears throat> I don't know. I still think the solution would have been strip DC of a title that I still don't believe he's going to defend. I know he keeps saying that he's going to defend that title. I would have tried to get a light heavyweight title fight booked. Yeah, but you have the champ at least coming back in Tyron Woodley. I mean, the the other thing that I, that UFC created this mess is they knew Woodley was coming back. You know, they knew it. They knew it. And this is what happens when you have people fight. There's serious consequences in these fights. People get hurt. It takes a lot out of the body for a big fight of these magnitudes that these, these competitors do. Especially, and I think sometimes they expect too much out of them. Especially five-round fights. If he had to get the nose surgery, he had to get the nose surgery. It might be for long-term gain. But... It, it, it is what it is. The UFC created this circus. They did. I, I blame solely the UFC. I don't blame anybody else. I don't blame Darren Till. I don't blame Colby. I don't blame Woodley. Whatever. Hey, what about Woodley just taking on Till? Woodley said he'll fight anybody when he comes back. And again, he says a lot of things, but look at who he's fighting. Look who he signed the dotted line against. The dangerous Darren Till. I know a lot of people give Woodley flack, but he said he was not able to come back till August. He's fighting in September. He's helping the UFC by saving this main event. And what's there to complain about? Which, by the way, look at the UFC 228 card now. We were wondering how that thing was going to go. You have Woodley versus Till in the main event. Montano versus Shevchenko in the co-main. Jessica Andrade versus Carolina in what I would essentially believe is a number one contender fight. Yair Magomed Sharipov. No, I'm sorry. Yair Rodriguez against Sabit Magomed Sharipov in probably two of the biggest prodigies in mixed martial arts right now. Aljamain Sterling against Cody Stamen, Jimmy Rivera versus Dodson, Carlos Esparza against one of my favorites, Tatiana Suarez. This is shaping up to be a pretty good card. A really good night of fights. Is that worth $65 to you? That was about 125000 buys. <laughs> Alright, with that, let's move on. So, we're not going to talk too much about this, but did want to make mention that MVP has re-signed with Bellator as obviously Bellator this week has signed about 24 UK and Ireland based fighters. I mean they are really pushing this European market hard, huh? They have to. What's your thoughts? They have to. They need to. Because you say zone, I say Dazen. Because with that deal Eddie Hearn I think that's Eddie Hearn has a big stake in this, this deal, right? Uh-huh. He has Anthony Joshua. You take Anthony Joshua. You take the biggest star in boxing. We think it's Canelo. It's not. The biggest star in boxing right now is Anthony Joshua. Well, you could argue Lomachenko. No. The biggest star in boxing right now is Anthony Joshua. Canelo just sells more pay-per-views in the U.S. But Anthony Joshua kills it in the U.K. market. So for Bellator, they might they might as well. I don't know how well this thing's going to do in the U.S. yet. But they might just want to go ahead and become Bellator UK. Kind of like 1FC's based out of Well, they're trying to hit a market. They need to. Because with this DAZN, they're going to hit more of that market more than anywhere else. Because Eddie Hearn, if he promotes Anthony Joshua, anything to do with that, that's going to be the biggest market. That's why they're signing so many guys. That's why they need an MVP. They need Paul Daly. They need those guys. Because that's where they're going to get the most visibility out of. This DAZN, I could be totally off base. It's not going to hit off in the United States right away. It's not. 
Anthony Joshua is probably the biggest boxer right now, but he's not selling American pay-per-views. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So with Bellator, they need to go to UK because I saw a lot of these records on some of these guys. Some of them look good. Mm-hmm. Some of them, I'm like, what? but they're prospects. You can see where they're going. I mean, I've seen it. For some a are while. prospects. Some I was the like, the writing's on the wall. Yeah, they um, just need they just need UK fighters to fill out those cards. They have to go there. They're going for a market that the UFC hasn't dominated yet. Like I said, the reason I credit One FC so much, you always roll your eyes when I say this, but they are dominating the Asian market, completely dominating it. Now, the Bellator. I mean, that's what's great about this sport, is it's so global. It's not just what happens in North America. You can go so many other places. There's opportunity to make some money. It's not just the U.S. And I think Bellator is doing a fantastic job of trying to corner that market and make it theirs. And I, I applaud them for it. Just like I just recently applauded the UFC. We didn't talk about this last week. But what about the UFC What pretty much co-promoting with M1 Global now? Hell is done frozen over. Hell is frozen over in mixed martial arts. Nothing surprises me anymore. Absolutely nothing surprises me, but they have... It's pretty much a developmental deal. If you're with M1, now if you sign with them, you pretty much have the opportunity to end up in the UFC. I think it was a brilliant move. I thought it was great for the for the expansion they're trying to do in Russia right now. It's a win-win. I mean, this is such a global sport. Look, when you when you talk about the sky is falling, that, it's but, only uh, in North America. Aren't they possibly getting all their champions too? Yeah. I mean, the sky is only falling in North America from some fans and media over here. It is not falling everywhere. It, it, this sport is still thriving, and it's getting bigger every day. And I, I, I just think both parts, the UFC and Bellator, are both doing very smart business tactics to kind of plant their seeds in these other yeah, areas of the see. world. UFC has its first show in Russia in September. And Especially you, with Russia, I mean, ACB, and, and, and what's the other one? Um, it's not know. M1, I forget KSW, the other name. KSW, I don't know. No, KSW is Poland. Oh. It's M1 Global, it's ACB. Well, anyway, the other one, Fight Night, I think it's FNG, Fight Night's Global. They're canceling shows left and right. They seem to be in a lot of trouble. This is the time for UFC to come in, bring their army, set their, you know, stand their feet in the ground and make a move. And, and they're, they're doing the right but thing. But is there. that a good sign that they're canceling their shows? That means they're not doing well in Russia. It's probably because... Look, a lot of these promotions don't realize how much money it costs to run a show. And I think they just they, they bite off more than they can chew. I don't know the answer to that. Regardless, UFC is coming in, swooping in at the perfect time. Yeah. I think the merger with the M1 is, is, is absolutely a home run, a slam dunk, so to speak, type of move. So now there was announced today, a huge presser is announced for Friday, right before UFC 227 this weekend. We only had two fights so far really locked down from here till the end of the year. I have a feeling this week we are going to be overloaded with news, and by the time we speak that next week, this time on the podcast, we're not going to have no shortage of conversation. You mean I don't have to be so depressed anymore when I start these things? I sure hope not. I never do get depressed, Sean. I love MMA year-round. Even during the bad times, I'm like, I still have my sport going on. While everybody else is crapping on it and saying there's not great fights, I still find greatness in it. But coming up this weekend, we already played this game a few weeks ago. But who do you think is going to be sitting 
at that press conference. There's only two fights we know for sure. I would assume. No, actually three. Darren Till versus Tyron Woodley. Yeah. I'm sure they'll bring out Nico Montano and Valentina Shevchenko. Because they are the co-main event and yeah. the title fight. And Alexi Olenek and Mark Hunt. Mm-hmm. Every other event is up in the air. Who do you think is going to be sitting on that podium? I think... Since the rumors are starting, I think Connor could be will be finalized by then. I agree. I'll also because they they gotta have something if they're gonna throw this presser. There's yeah. gotta be something. Gotta be some juice, right? Yeah. I'm hearing rumblings of Anderson Silva and GSP. I don't know if I totally believe that. I don't see how that's possible, but I mean, I'm not gonna take it out. But how is GSP? GSP's not going back up to middleweight. No. Is Anderson going down the welterweight? They're that's saying one eighty pound catch weight, but I'm like. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Cyborg Nunez will be up there. Because I think they they pretty much already offered them for a December fight. Gaslam Whitaker? No, because that's not going to happen until next year. But it could happen early next year and they could still have him up there. They're still going to do the that whole Ultimate Fighter. That doesn't I guess, but that wouldn't yeah. make sense to me. Um, Max Holloway, Brian Ortega? I'm hoping so. But then I, just as, as early as last week... You know Max Holloway. They're still not totally sure. He's getting clear. Max Holloway thinks he's going to be able to fight by December, though. Could be. There's two pay per views in December. But he he's still got a he's got to go through a lot of stuff, man. Cyborg Nunez. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I got Cyborg Nunez pegged. Other than that, unless they find Daniel Cormier a light heavyweight fight, which I really hope they do not. There, I mean, it, it's it's so funny to me. If I was Daniel Cormier, like, who would actually want to see Daniel Cormier and Corey Anderson? I think they're going to have a fight for Daniel Cormier at 205. They're going to need it. Oh, that's just terrible. That's just horrible. I mean, we heard rumblings. Usman said he was offered Colby Covington on November 30th. Yeah. But that goes back with Colby Covington should not take any fight. No. Unless it's for the belt. Yeah. That's a, that's that's what's got me so confused. Like, I have no idea. I'm hoping to see some good stuff, but I can't think of it because the titles are held up, man. Daniel Cormier's got two of them. You got two women champion who are pretty much lined up to fight next, and you mm-hmm. just had a couple title fights. Yeah, I mean, unless Thug Rose is standing up there against somebody, I have no idea. That's what has me so intrigued for it. Either I'm going to leave it really pumped and excited, or I'm going to be really let down by this press conference. I don't know which way it's going to go yet. I'm hoping... Regardless, though, it's going to be exciting, and I've loved every single one of these huge press conferences they've done so far. I love the idea. I'm excited. I can't wait. I can't wait till those curtains drop and everybody's unveiled. I'm excited, no matter what they have. But let's move on to what's happening this weekend. This weekend, we are live in, where where is it, Anaheim, California? Or is it Los Angeles? I think it's Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Los Angeles, California, UFC 227. The co-main and the main event, both rematches. Both time these guys are fighting for the second time, we have... You know, Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw, two in the main event, and then Muddy Mouse versus Henry Cejudo, two in the co-main event. In your opinion, is this pay-per-view worth $65? Um, that, that main event is. That's a, that, that main event is straight fire. It's, um... But is it worth $65 is what I'm asking. Is any of them? I don't know. It can be. It's got two title fights, two legit top title fights you know mm-hmm. um i think that rematch is great and i think the fights are actually gonna deliver so i don't think it's as bad as what people make it out to be but we'll see we'll see 
I personally am on the fence about it. I just really, really feel like that the main event is, it's a $65 main event, but we just seen it, and it's not like it was really in fans' demand. Is it going to be a great fight? Absolutely. I believe it's going to be a fantastic fight. I'm not going to be able to miss it. But do I think it's going to be an overwhelming overload of fans coming to watch it? I don't think so. I think it's got the same hype as it as last week with, with the UFC in Calgary. I actually think the most underlooked fight on this card is the co-main event. I think the most underlooked fight on this card is Demetrius Johnson going up against Henry Cejudo for a second time. Because I look at what happened since the last time they fought. You know, TJ versus Garbrandt, we just saw that in November. You know, we just saw that six months ago. We know it's going to be an awesome fight, but we just seen the thing. In the co-main event, it is such a different fight from the first time. Because Demetrius Johnson is the flyweight king. But when he fought Henry Cejudo just a little over two years ago, if you look, they both have fought three times since then. And I do stand to say that I think Cejudo has had a tougher test since that fight than Muddy Mouse has. Sejudo came out and lost to Joey Benavidez, which I thought he won. He beat Wilson Hayes the same exact fashion TJ, I mean, uh, Demetrius Johnson did. And then he came out and beat Sergio Pettis, which really impressed me. I just thought he had more of a murderer's row. Uh, Demetrius Johnson fought, I remember it was like Ray Borg, and I don't think Ray Borg was ready for that fight. He didn't do anything to impress me for a title shot. He beat Wilson Hayes the same exact fashion Henry Sejudo did. And then he also beat Tim Elliott, the winner of an Ultimate Fighter season. I just really believe that that the skill level Henry Cejudo is at now, over two years out from that first fight, his improvements is going to make this a completely different fight from the first time. Do I think it's enough to win? I don't know yet, but would it surprise me? No, I'm actually calling the almost calling the upset here that Henry Cejudo might come out and dethrone Muddy Mouse finally. For that 125 pound strap i think henry cejudo's literally olympic gold medal wrestling with his newfound stand-up poses the biggest threat to demetrius johnson thus far in his career and of course demetrius johnson's always getting better and i'm not it's hard for me to guarantee that i think cejudo is going to win but it will not surprise me at all if he comes out with his hand raised and we have a new champion at 125 and then i look at the main event now, I don't feel like it's been a whole lot of time. I feel like this is kind of rushed. Like I said, I don't hate the fight at all, but this wasn't something we were demanding, like, oh, we have to see the rematch. It was pretty I, conclusive in the first one. I think one. people wanted to see the rematch. And my thing with these two fights, if TJ Dillashaw and Demetrius Johnson wins, okay, we move on and we get new contenders. But you do realize if Cody Garbrandt and Henry Cejudo wins, we're looking at the same thing again in their next fight because you have to do the trilogy for both. Okay There's no way around it. There's okay absolutely no way around. Garbrandt is nothing but deserving. Or no, Dillashaw will be nothing but deserving of getting the automatic rematch like Garbrandt just got. And then you have Henry Cejudo. You beat the flyweight king, the one and only flyweight champion in history. Demetrius Johnson is automatically getting the rematch. No, no if, ands, or buts about it. So we're looking at a potential trilogy here. Whether it's going to go that way, I don't know. But I'm getting excited. I'm not the craziest about the card top to bottom. And if it's worth $65, I think it's worth not missing. I just don't know if it's worth the $65 price tag attached to it. So, this is what I wanted to talk about earlier. 
But you would agree, this weekend's fights, you pretty much have the number one contenders going against the champions, right? Yeah. This is what I wanted to talk about earlier. Well, in bantamweight, it's a little, uh, it's a little bit. I don't know. Cody Garbrandt technically because he just lost the belt, but I mean in bantamweight. You have a stack. I mean, you have Marlon Marias up there. Right. You have Dominic Cruz. You have, um, well, Dominic Cruz maybe not so much, but you had Jimmy Rivera before he lost to Marlon Marias. And then you also have um, uh, Rafael Sunsau. I mean, there's there's people there for 135. So this is what I wanted to talk about earlier. You know, it's kind of like how the UFC just got the lowest rating. Mm-hmm. And we're pretty much saying, like, we don't think this buy rate's going to do well, even though it's got two legit title mm-hmm. fights they're legit title fights you know and it's it's something i wanted to talk about earlier like what is going on with this sport right now their their pay-per-views are going down they're it's like so weird because should this sport just go the sports entertainment route or should it just stay it's it's so weird to me because every time they put the number one contender in there with the champion more often than not people just don't buy it mm-hmm. but you get a brock lesnar you get a Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. You get you know certain individuals. Should this sport just go sports entertainment? That's my only question. Because last weekend you had legit fights. Mm-hmm. You had very high ranked fights. You had the best of the best. Some of the best fights you could put in those divisions, other than title fights, mm-hmm. on free TV, and it's the lowest rated ever. Mm-hmm. Lately, look at two twenty five and two twenty six. Everybody's like, oh, those buy rates suck, and I'm like, those were really good cards. Mm-hmm. Those were s- s- stacked cards but then people get upset because Dustin Poirier should get the title shot because he's done everything he can deserve but mm-hmm. Connor Khabib's going to sell a lot of pay-per-views Brock Lesnar's coming back he's going to get the title shot because he's going to sell should this sport just go sports entertainment yeah I've been saying that I said it when Brock Lesnar came in I'm not mad I'm not mad I, I learned Maymac, Kimbo Slice whatever else you want to bring into the factor Shao Sonnen Bring it up. They sell. The legit people don't. I, I agree with you 100%. It's, it's what Why I not? said last week. What did I say last week? UFC is the best sports entertainment company in the world right mm-hmm. now. And it just it, it boggles my mind sometimes, but I get it. I still get more excited to watch some of those fights than I do, you know, this They're weekend. Legit. This weekend, I don't care what the undercard looks like. Nobody's buying the undercard. Mm-hmm. They're not. That's why we only talked about the top two fights. Exactly. That's two legit title fights. Those are two great title fights. They're going to be hotly contested title fights. But yet, we have a feeling this is going to be a very one of the lowest, you know, rate, lowest bought pay per views of all well, time. With that being said, guess the buy rate. What do you think the buy rate is going to be for UFC 227? 125 to 150. 125 to 150. Thousand. Can't argue that that much. I think it's going to be one ninety to two hundred and twenty thousand. I think it's going to be around that two hundred thousand mark. Yeah, it's crazy. But superstars in this business, they just don't come along very often, do they? And I think the only reason there's going to be a tiny spike and it'll be semi successful because I think two hundred thousand is enough to stay on pay per view. And I think it'll be at that number is only because of the fact that I think that big press conference that's going to be filled with a lot of stars, including Conor McGregor and Khabib. In my prediction, I think it's going to help get some interest and talking about the fights that are happening Saturday. That's the only reason why. Otherwise, I would probably say around the 150000 mark. But I'm going to go around 200000 That's what I'm going to stick to. Fair you enough. got anything else you want to add to the table? Nah. 
Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. We love it, as always, when you join us. I am your host, Joe Neubauer, at Joe Knows MMA. That was your co-host, Sean Neubauer, at the underscore MMA Insomniac. You can listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Podcast Addict. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and please, ladies and gentlemen, don't drink and drive. (laughs) 